0: Oh guys, thank you, thank you. How are we doing tonight, Summer Madness? Are we doing well? Um, I just want to give a massive shout out to my friends on the front row. I feel like it is the year of the croc, 2023. Am I right? Yeah, I feel like um, I've made a mistake, not bringing mine. So thank you, croc crew. Um, hello, everybody. Um, my name is Esther. Um, It is such a treat to be with you all tonight. I've been looking forward uh, to coming to Summer Manners for some uh, time. And um, tonight we're going to start digging into um, or carry on digging into this theme around power to change. And um, we're going to look at that in a few minutes. But um, before we do... um, I'm aware that I've not met lots of you before, so I wanted to introduce you to um, some special people in my life before we get going. So, to start off with, this is my family. Um, This is Asher, the greatest dog of all time. Thank you very much. And I'm also married to Tom, who's also there. Uh, Don't tell him I did it in that order. Um, So, that's my family. um, And then this is my IJM family. Um, so I'm, uh, there we go, I'm part of the IJM team. You've, you've met Ben already this weekend. And uh, we have a massive justice family. There are about 1,500 of us all around the world. Um, you can't see lots of pictures of their faces. Um, that's deliberate. Lots of my colleagues work in really dark and dangerous situations um, around the world. But they are some of the most brilliant, and um, courageous people working how to change the world, and um, particularly in the area um, of modern slavery slavery. And um, all this weekend, we've been unpacking this theme of power to change, haven't we? What an amazing theme. And, And tonight, we're going to continue on that theme, and particularly looking about how we might change the world around us too. But before we do that, I wonder if we can start with a little journey of our imaginations, In fact, you might want to close your eyes for this. And I wonder if you can imagine a castle. Can you picture it? Picture a castle. Now, this castle is a beautiful white stone castle, it is absolutely huge, it is beautifully preserved. It has high walls, it has towers at the corners, it has cannons, it's got a big wooden gate guarding the front and, and inside as you, as you go into this castle, you find luxurious rooms, you find bedrooms with big four-poster beds, you find banqueting halls. And through the windows, as you look out, you can see the sea. You see this castle, it sits on the edge of a cliff and and below are beautiful white beaches. You can feel the breeze through the window. It has a stunning view for miles out to the ocean. Can you picture it? Now that castle exists, you can open your eyes. And and that castle is one of the many castles that that sits along the coast of Ghana in West Africa. And and along this stretch of coast for, for many hundreds of years, white Europeans used this castle to enslave Ghanaians. And they would be chained and forced underground into specially built dungeons, thousands at a time. And they would be held in those dungeons for weeks, sometimes months. No fresh water, no proper food. It would be suffocatingly hot, meaning that you could hardly breathe. And if you made it out onto a ship alive at the end, well, you were one of the lucky ones. This castle stands today as a symbol of suffering, a monument to how low humanity can go and in the middle of it stands a church, a church where people would gather to worship, to confess their sins, to pray. And each time they gathered to worship, they would literally have to step over a grate in the floor where people were crying out for help. And if during their service they could hear this, they would sing a little louder to drown out the noise. You see, this castle stands today as a reminder that it is possible to spend a lot of time around Christians a lot of time at church, a lot of time in worship even and still miss a key part of what matters to God. Listen to what God says about this in the the book of Isaiah through the prophet Isaiah. If you have a Bible with you, we're gonna look at chapter 58. This is the New Living Translation, chapter 58. God says, This, he says, this is the kind of fasting I have chosen. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. As an aside, that's a really good one if you've got tricky siblings, brilliant. And at verse eight carries on, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal and your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. And then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. Wow. What an invitation to worship. Now, a bit of context that is really helpful uh, to know. For this passage, when Isaiah is speaking, and where God is speaking through Isaiah to his people. And, and this passage that we've just read, it's written to people in the middle of uncertainty. You see, what's happened is they've been away um, and they come home to their city, um, but honestly, home doesn't feel like home anymore. And the people, they're, they're facing an economic crisis. They're facing a, a political crisis, the politics are a mess, and, uh, and the ground uh, is shifting, and they've been through like so much change in the last few years. There's been so much disappointment, and they are really, really tired of it. I do know if that sounds familiar to anyone, it, it does to me. And then to top it off, their, their gatherings, their, their worship services... Well, the less said about that, the better. And because what's happening is that they're showing up and they're showing off and they're, and they're worshiping, but I mean, it's like it's making no difference at all. You know, their prayers aren't, aren't getting answered, and and basically they're pretty frustrated with God. Wouldn't you be? So in summary, um, there's a problem because essentially they're going through like religious rituals and routines. We're talking like public praying and uh, and singing really loudly and and flag waving. They're probably on TikTok doing evangelism. And, uh, And then God says to Isaiah, to his people, he says, stop. This is not the type of worship that I'm looking for. And instead, through Isaiah, God invites his people to look again at what they call worship. And we're going to have a look at this uh, together. I'm going to be honest, guys, it's super challenging. But I also think it's super encouraging as well. So firstly, Isaiah begins, verse 6, he begins with a vision He says, this is the kind of fasting. This is the kind of worship I want. In other words, he's saying, this is what matters to me. This is the agenda. And it makes it really clear what he wants. He says he wants freedom. He says he wants an end to oppression. He says he wants chains to be broken. And you could sum that up in, in pretty much one word. And that word is? justice. He says he wants justice. That's the vision statement. That's what God says he wants. And I wonder what we actually mean by the word justice. It's it's one of those weighty words, isn't it, that carries all sorts of meanings for all sorts of, of different people. But at its absolute core, justice is about making wrong things right. Justice is about seeing people flourish in, in right relationship, right relationship with, with people and other people, right relationship with, with, with people and gods, right relationship with people and the planet. There's, a, there's an American philosopher called, um, called Cornel West. who he says this. He says, justice is what love looks like in public. I love that, don't you? Justice is what love looks like in public. It's about loving people. And it's about loving them and wanting to see them thrive. And it often involves tackling systems and structures to ensure that people are set up to thrive. Does that make sense? And you see, when we open the Bible, when we begin to read the scriptures, we see the Bible is absolutely packed full of justice. Justice. Seeking justice is central to the heart of God and what it means to follow him. You can't read the Bible without finding God's heart for justice. It's like a golden thread that is woven throughout the whole of scripture. Some fun facts for you. Um, In the Old Testament, justice is the second most talked about theme. In the New Testament, one in every 16 verses is about justice. In three out of the four Gospels, it's one in every ten. In the Gospel of Luke, one in every seven verses is about justice. We see God's love for those on the margins, those who are oppressed, those who are downtrodden, the exploited, the forgotten. We see time and time again, they are brought to the centre of the stage. And the theme of justice isn't just like a nice sprinkle on the cake of what it looks like to be a Christian. No, it's a key ingredient of what it means to love God. And to walk out our life as Christians. In fact, having a vision for justice is so important. That Jesus even himself chooses to kick off his whole ministry with a declaration of justice. You can read about it in Luke 4. It's super powerful stuff. But let's name it. Having a vision for for justice and keeping that vision central, it is really tricky, especially in this season. Why? Well, recently things have felt pretty bleak, haven't they? We've got a war in Europe on our hands. Who'd have thought that would be a case 18 months ago? We've got a refugee crisis that has followed that. We are living through a cost of living crisis. Around us is a climate crisis. That's a lot of crisis that we've got on our hands, guys. It feels like the world's on fire a little bit, and then you pile on the fact that your generation is going to somehow have to pick up the pieces. And I don't know about you, but I don't even know where to start sometimes with all this justice stuff. And before we know it, what happens is we can become completely overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. And so rather than than tune in to the need for justice, we tune out, we, we scroll on. And that vision for justice becomes pretty far away. We focus on what we can control around us the me, the my own, the immediate. Eugene Peterson, who, um, who wrote the message version of the Bible, talks about what happens when our world shrinks. He says, we can fall into the trap of tunnel vision. And I don't know about you, but I know that I'm in danger of tunnel vision right now because there is so much injustice out there. There is so much crisis. There is so much chaos and confusion. And yet in the midst of that, God invites us to lift our eyes. And to get hold of a new vision that we read about here. A vision where the oppressed are set free. A vision where wrong things are made right. A vision where justice flows like a river. For us uh, at IJM, you've heard about it already this week. But but the vision of justice that keeps us going day after day is a vision of people in slavery uh, uh, set free. That's our Isaiah 58 vision, right? Freedom and then systemic change. And and just the past few weeks, we've seen God bring that time and time again. We've seen that vision coming into reality. We've had a a six-year-old girl in the the Philippines brought to freedom from a case of online exploitation. And we've had an operation to to find and free 11 young men in, in South Asia. They are now free, Um, Just the other day, we were celebrating an operation that brought 27 people, including uh, 11 kids and one newborn baby from a factory, into freedom. That vision is happening. Time and time again, we see God bringing this Isaiah 58 vision into reality. If that's IJM's vision, I wonder what your Isaiah 58 vision is. Maybe it's something local. Ending homelessness in your town. Tackling racism in your school. Maybe it's something global. Ending slavery, protecting the planet, access to education, maybe something else. But here's the thing about having a vision for justice. It doesn't leave us where we are. It's not just about an imagination, though it might start there. No, it's a vision that moves us, that propels us out, that draws us to the people and the places who need it most, that moves us to compassion. Justice starts with a vision but it moves us to compassion. Verse seven of Isaiah 58 really helpfully describes what compassion looks like. Describes sharing food, giving shelter, giving clothing, making ourselves available. And uh, and these are all really, really practical actions. You see, uh, compassion isn't passive. It's not, it's not something that sits on the sidelines. It's a verb, it, it's a doing word. And uh, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus is described as being moved with compassion. And the thing about compassion is that it transports us, it takes us from statistics to stories, it takes us from numbers to names. And uh, if you're anything like me, I find I can like, read a story or I can share a post on Instagram. I can, I can give a donation, but, but, but stay at arm's length. And don't get me wrong, those are all really, really good things to do. But those things alone aren't what God is inviting us to. No, he's inviting us to be moved with compassion. That's about moving towards other people. It's, it's about loving those who are forgotten. It's about loving those who are anonymous so that they don't stay anonymous. They don't stay as statistics. And, and this could be really simple acts. You know, it could be as simple as you know inviting in that person that's always left out at lunchtime. It could be as, as simple as, as picking up the phone to someone that you know is lonely so they know that they're not alone. It can be as simple as making space at the dinner table, eating with people who you wouldn't normally get around the table with. It might even look like who you choose to sit next to at church. And I'm not saying that this compassion stuff is easy, although it doesn't sometimes look really messy. And I've been learning about this whole idea of compassion over the last few years. See, uh, post-university, in the city that I live, a group of us decided to try and live a little bit differently and to take some of this stuff that we were reading about, about sharing and inviting people in and try and actually put that into action. And um, the community that I was living in, we tried to share what we kids, and um, we came across a young guy, we'll call him Tim, who uh, was on the verge of, of homelessness. And so we decided um, to invite him to come to stay, and he was meant to stay for a weekend, and he stayed for six months. And um, he did hatch a baby bird in the spare room, yes. He did uh, one day um, kill and cook and eat a squirrel, yes. Um, Did he turn up to our wedding in a tracksuit? Yes. Did he then choose to stand front and centre in most of the photographs? Yes, he did. Um, I'm not saying that it is neat. I'm not saying that it's always easy. I'm not saying um, that it's not sometimes messy. But did Tim cause us to learn a whole lot about what it means to be practically moved by compassion? Yes, he did. And our life is richer for it. Now, that's all very well in your local city, or in your school, or in your family, but I wonder, how on earth does that translate when we're talking about these big global justice issues? Issues like slavery, like, like climate change, like poverty, when you can't possibly get to know millions of people. On one hand, you're completely right. It's, it's, really, it's really challenging, But what we can do is we can get to know names and stories of those being most effective and not stay at arm's length. Take IJM for instance, if you wanna check out our Instagram, the what you can read about is the names of, of real people, the stories of real individuals who, who have gone through incredible, incredible hardship and yet who have come out the other side and you can get to know their names and their stories and pray for them. There are amazing organizations. We heard from Tearfund Fund tonight doing incredible stuff in this space. Get to know the work. Get to know the stories. Pray for them. Ask the Holy Spirit. Bring those stories to life and let their stories affect your stories on a heart level. Justice starts with a vision. That vision then moves us to compassion, to people to stories. And it brings us together. You know, one thing I love about um, Isaiah 58 is that it is written to a whole community. You see, God is speaking to a whole people group here. And I think there's a really, really important lesson that we can learn here. And that is that the work of justice The work of being moved to compassion, that is not something to be done on our own. It is work to be done together. The work of justice, and I think the reality of being a Christian is never meant to be a solo sport. It's why gatherings like Summer Madness are so important. Because it reminds us to get around other people. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus, the first thing he did when he kicked off his ministry was to gather a bunch of mates around him. And I don't think it's because they needed them to make him better his job. I think it's because he wanted people to laugh with him and eat with him and walk alongside him. And guys, I'd love to suggest the same is true when it comes to seeking justice. I had a, a really powerful reminder of this recently when I was out, with my dog Asher, greatest dog of all time, uh, in, in the city where I live. And um, I was busy having a great time throwing Asher's sticks into the river that runs through the city. She was jumping in, swimming after them. We were progressively finding bigger and bigger sticks. And I was throwing them in. She was swimming and we were walking along as the river was getting deeper and deeper and the bank was getting steeper and steeper until I realised that she was stuck. And I, uh, at first, thought it was quite funny, actually, if I'm honest. And I was trying to, like, coax her out with, like, bigger logs and so on. And she was sort of trying to get out and then scrambling at the bank. And I realised that she really, really was stuck. And poor little dog was stuck basically up to her neck in the water. And um, I was kind of trying to reach down, couldn't reach her. And I actually started to panic quite a lot. And so, um, before you knew it, I was taking off my shoes and my socks And I was, like, getting ready, lowering in when a a guy tapped me on the shoulder. And he said, are you all right? And I said, I'm really sorry. I don't know what to do. My dog's stuck in the river. Anyway, next thing that happened, this guy called his family. And they created, like, basically like a small human chain. And uh, and lowered me by, actually, these Lucian yak dungarees. And they lowered me into the river. I grabbed Asher. They pulled us out. And um, we looked really, really silly, but it reminded me of the reality of seeking justice. is never that we're meant to dive in on our own, but rather we're to join hands with other people, each playing our part, so we can get in the river alongside one another. Justice isn't the, the work of someone going it alone. It's the work of a team working with one another, playing our part to get others out. And it's the same story uh, with IJM that I work for. You know, it was started by one guy who had a vision to, to bring a girl who was trafficked into a brothel in Cambodia to bring her out. And, and yet 25 years on, that, that one person is now this massive global community. From undercover investigators who, who find where, where people are trapped in slavery, to, to police partners who then work to bring them to safety, to to social workers who get alongside people and walk that journey of healing, to, to lawyers who, who work the cases through court, to campaigners and activists who work with governments to change the laws, to, to churches who pray and give, to students who get creative with their time all around the world to seek justice. And together this global community has seen over 85,000 people brought to freedom. We've seen the statistics of entire nations begin to shift and yet no one person gets the credit because the truth is we need one another and we are stronger together and we cannot do this work alone. Justice starts with a vision and that vision moves us to compassion and it brings us together yes with one another but also guys with the very presence of God listen to to verse 8 of Isaiah 58 again says this then your salvation will come like the dawn The NIV version says this, then your light will break forth like the dawn. I love that, what a beautiful image. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Verse nine, then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. The promise is his presence. And we know, Psalm 16, that in God's presence, that that is where the joy is found. That's what we've seen time and time again. That as we engage with the work of justice, as we move into places of darkness, as we show up in the most difficult situations, that the presence of God is already there. He's already working. He's already bringing his joy, bringing his healing. And his promises that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. I remember uh, getting to know the story of a young woman called Elizabeth. I can't uh, show you a, a picture of her face, but she um, has bright eyes. And she's a sharply intelligent young woman. She's absolutely brilliant. And she grew up um, in South Asia with, with wonderful Christian parents and an amazing Christian family. And she was trafficked as a teenager. She was uh, tricked by a family friend and she was abused day after day after day. And by the time IJM got to her and got her out, she had undergone just the most horrific abuse. But as my... Colleagues returned to to, to gather evidence um, to find others who had been trapped with her. What they found was amazing. You see, on the walls of the room that Elizabeth had been held in, it was her prison cell, essentially, just by her bed, were etched these words The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? She had written the words of Psalm 27 by her bed. The presence of God was with her in the most dark, difficult situation. In the face of injustice, the Lord will answer, Yes, I am here with you. What an incredible promise, guys that we will find God out there. As we get involved in the mission of justice, as we get involved with the mess of the world, as we roll up our sleeves, as we get stuck in, we will find God there. Leave safety and comfort behind. God says, yes, I am here Engage with the brokenness of the world. God says, Yes, I am here. Love those who are lonely. He says, Yes, I am here. Make space for those who are hurting. He says, yes, I am here. Tackle racism. Yes, I am here. Love our planet. Yes, I am here. Free the oppressed. Yes, I am here. Guys, this is it. God promises to meet us out there. In the hurting, in the confusion, in the mess of injustice, in the chaos He says, yes, I am here. Because, guys, justice starts with a vision. That vision will move us to compassion. And it will bring us together. Yes, with each other. But yes, with the very presence of God. This is the worship he invites us into. This is the kind of fasting he's after. You know, I started by sharing about that story of that castle in Ghana. And it struck me so much when I visited it because people literally walked over injustice to get to worship. We can't change what happened there but we can learn from it. We can look it in the face and we can write a different story. You see, singing songs, that is not bad in itself. Please don't misunderstand me here. But the type of worship that God invites us to isn't limited to the singing of songs. It can't be contained in a church building. It's not held in religious routines. It is way more radical than that. You see, it is worship that lays down its life for others because we follow in the footsteps of the one who laid down his life for us in the first place. Yes, it is worship that will kneel in adoration to the Father but more than that, it will kneel to love a world in need as we do it. This is the worship that we're invited into. This is the worship we're called to. Justice starts with a vision and it moves us to compassion and it brings us together with the presence of God. So tonight, some of Madness, I wonder if I could ask you, how do you feel when it comes to justice? How do you feel when it comes to compassion? You know, maybe you're passionate about justice. Maybe this justice calling, you're like, Yes, this is me. I want in. I'm I'm there. If that's you, then in a moment we're gonna have a chance to respond and bless that calling, bless that passion and pray for you. Maybe as I'm speaking, you're thinking. This is all too much. You've mentioned crisis. The world is, is a crisis. I feel like a crisis. I don't have any headspace for this. I feel hopeless. I don't know where to start. If that's you, that's okay. We'd love to pray for you too. But I'm certain, Summer Madness, that God is inviting us to be a generation that will not settle for the status quo. I'm certain that he's inviting us to step up and step in to the places that are hurting, the places that are hard and that we will be moved with compassion with the boldness that comes from knowing that we're not alone. And when we do that, we will hear the promise of God in verse eight, reminding us that your light will break forth like the dawn. In other words, you will shine and you'll hear that gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit reminding you, saying, yes, I'm here. You're not alone. I'm right here with you. Amen and amen. So, us, we're going to pray. I wonder if you're able and willing, will you stand with me? We're going to spend a moment just waiting on God, maybe asking the Holy Spirit what he might want to say to each of us, and then we're going to have a chance to respond. So if you will, you might want to close your eyes. You might want to hold out your hands, not because there's anything special, but it's just a posture of receiving. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to have a chance to respond. So let's just take a moment. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, I want to thank you that you're here. Will you help us be more aware of your spirit tonight? God, I want to thank you that You invite us into worship that overspills, to love the world around us. And tonight, Holy Spirit, we invite you to show us what that might look like for us.